You're listening to Half Stack Highlights, a blogcast dedicated to showcasing the latest in indie talent, business, and creative opportunities for the dreamer in you. We bring you intimate conversations with up-and-comers, entrepreneurs, and fellow dreamers alike, and we're based right here in Chicago. Welcome to Hashtag Highlights, the podcast program for Hashtag Magazine. My name is Louis Vasseur, and I'm your host for today's episode. I first met Kirsten Maryland through our mutual connection uh, with Women of Substance Radio and Podcast. She had a couple of songs on the station, and we began to talk a little bit on the phone about her career and, and some of the things she was doing. Kirsten is a songwriter, a musician, overall creative, and an activist, and she's based in Brooklyn, New York. But more importantly to the Hashtag community, Kirsten has demonstrated the grit and persistence that a creative needs if she plans to succeed in her career. When her record label wasn't providing the type of marketing support for her newly released EP, Ghost, that she thought, thought they should, Kirsten took it upon herself to put together a promotional tour that took her as far away as a music festival in Arizona. The planned end-of-tour show at the iconic Knitting Factory got bumped by a promoter's mis- misstep. Kirsten could have easily gotten upset and blamed somebody else. Instead, she rented a, a Brooklyn performance space and performed an impromptu return to Brooklyn show for her fans. These are just a couple of the examples of how this talented artist has made things happen to benefit her career. Kirsten Maryland, welcome to Half Deck Highlight. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to talk to you again. Uh, you and I have known each other for a couple of years now, but can you share a little bit with the Half Deck listeners about your artistic journey? Yeah, I mean, I, uh, you know, we could go all the way back to um, when my mom put me on stage at two years old, <laughs> but, um, I, you know, I started off in dance and, uh, you know, growing up, I thought I was going to be this dancer, but um, I do attribute my comfort on stage to my early you know, dance career, I mean, career in quotes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. um, and then, you know, from there, I guess in high school is kind of when middle school, high school is when I started to discover this thing called musical theater. Um, mm-hmm. And my mom, of course, like loved that. Um, she's a huge musical theater fan. We just went to see Hello Dolly yesterday. <laughs> um, oh, with, with Bernadette Peters? Yeah, yeah. We were both oh, God, I love Bernadette Peters. <laughs> she was God, great. I'm, she was amazing. I'm jealous. Um, but yeah, and I, so, you know, I really got heavy into musical theater, um, again, thought that was going to be my career path. I went to school for acting and with a minor in musical theater in New York city. Um, and kind of, uh, well, I, I did a, I did a national tour in between school. Um, my junior year, I basically took off from school. Um, and my, because I went to a liberal arts college and was a theater major, my teachers were, um, they they worked with me to get me like credit for doing the show with school, which was pretty amazing. Cool. Um, and then out of school, I um, I did a couple more productions. Um, I became a you know a union member, which is kind of like it's, you know you're like oh now you're a professional, which 
is not necessarily true. If you're, you know, right, if you're right. if you're working at it and you work in a professional manner, you're a professional. But, you know, at that time I was like, oh, I'm a professional actress now. Um, but what happened was I went from like being a big fish in a little pond to, you know, a little fish in a gigantic ocean. And, um, and I was, and I was also in a show that I kind of realized wasn't fulfilling my creative needs. And as much as I loved the show and I loved being in the show and I, there will always be a special place in my heart for musical theater. Um, I just began to realize that that's not really what I wanted to do with all of my time. Um, and I felt like I had a voice and I wanted to express my own, you know, artistic side and my own creativity, um, and my own thoughts and feelings to the world. <laughs> so, uh, a, a little while after I was in, um, the show right after school, um, I started working on like this really terrible EP with this producer. Um, and it was really like, I will never show it to anyone. I don't even know if I have the files for it. It's really the most, it was the most God awful thing I've ever done. (laughs) Um, but that kind of led the way into, okay, I do kind of want to do this music thing. Um, and I wound up going on Craigslist and finding a band that was like, it was four guys that were already formed and they were looking for a singer. And I was like, well, this must be perfect. And I joined them, um, and we had a good two and a half year run. And, uh, and then, you know, as most bands do, we realized that we did not get along personally. Um, specifically myself and the drummer did not get along. (laughs) Well, drummers um, are hard to get around, get along with. They're just kind of weird. I mean, it just yeah. goes. Yeah. We were working with a producer, and he told us this joke that I continue to tell to this day that I love because it was so perfectly true about my drummer. Um, mm-hmm. And it it was, uh, what do you call a drummer who just broke up with his girlfriend? What? Homeless. <laughs> Oh, oh, well, you know, it's more true than a lot of my drummer friends want to admit, but yeah. yeah. I mean, it was, it was spot on for my drummer's situation that I died and I just, I loved that joke. And of course, you know, it being at his expense just made it that much more perfect. Um, But, um, yeah, so from there, you know, we we actually did really well. I stuck with that band. Um, we only were together for two and a half years, and I, uh, but I stayed with that band for probably a year and a half more than I should have. About a year in, I knew it wasn't going to work out, um, and we started. Um, but but I also like I believed in in all the musicians. I thought I loved the music that we were making. We were doing this um, progressive post hardcore rock music, and it was right on par with, you know, um, what was happening at the time and bands like Flyleaf, um, and like kind of a little bit of Paramore. Um, mm-hmm. and I, and we had people that were putting money behind us and were getting us in front of labels. And I just, there was this one fight that I had with my drummer and I took a step back and I was like, I do not want to be signing on the dotted line next to that guy and have myself contractually bound to him for who knows how many years. Like I need him out of my life now. So I gave the other guys an ultimatum and they basically threw it back on me and said, you know, we can't choose because they had grown up with him. And I was kind of like this outsider person. And I was like, all right, well then I think I got to go. Um, 
And it didn't take me long to put another thing together. Um, I started a band with my brother. Um, we were called Verity and Stereo. That one I am not embarrassed to talk about. <laughs> okay. Um, you can still look up, you know, Verity and Stereo stuff. We were kind of this like indie um, piano pop band. And I was very proud of a lot of the things we did, too. Um, I also loved being in a band with my brother. Um, but it just got to a point where it was clear that I wanted more out of it than they did. Um, they were very content kind of being, you know, we were in the Asbury area. So Asbury Park has this thriving music community and they mm -hmm. were very content just playing in Asbury and kind of being these, you know, hometown heroes. And, um, you know, me being from New York city, I wanted, you know, I was doing a reverse commute down to New Jersey twice a week, um, which was crazy, <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah, on so many levels. So, but yeah. yeah, I know. And so, you know, when that band didn't work out, it was, it was very heartbreaking. Like the first band, I felt like a weight had been lifted off my shoulders. Um, and with the second band, I, you know, it was very sad that it had to come to an end, um, especially because it was family. There was a little, there was a band that I was in for like three months in between those two bands, but that, that didn't last. That, that was right. kind of a weird thing that I got involved in for like two songs. And then I was like, I think I'm just going to do this band with my brother. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And then, I, you know, after the thing with my brother, it didn't work out. Um, I just didn't know if I had the energy to put together another band. Um, you know, a band that like everyone wants an equal stake in it and everyone wants equal say, and, you know, with just with my experiences, especially in, you know, the band with my brother, my experience of like having to do all the work and then having to kind of drag them to shows that they didn't really want to play in the first place. And I, um, I just didn't know if I, if I could take the time again to figure out four new people or three new people that I would, that I would get along with that you know, musically, we would be on the same page. And then, you know, and then what you like do that for a couple of years, and then it and then if it doesn't work out again, then you've let another two years go by. <laughs> so right. um, yeah, so for me, it was it was a time thing. And it was a it was just such a daunting idea to think about putting another band together. Um, and I had never wanted to be a solo artist. I had people, you know, throughout my time of being in bands telling me that I should just be doing it myself and going solo. And it was not something I ever, ever wanted to do. Um, I liked the camaraderie as much as, you know, it, it can be volatile and it can get frustrating with other people. I liked the camaraderie of being in a band. I liked that, you know, as much as we fought, there's also that family aspect, whether you're actually family or not. Um, so, you know, branching out on my own to do Kirsten Maryland was definitely, it was a scary prospect, but it was also something that I, that I kind of felt was right at the time. Um, right. and, um, you know, I still, I still think that it is, it was the right decision for me because now, you know, I have people that play with me sometimes, but if they can't play with me, that's fine. I can do it by myself. Um, I don't have to like, 
confer with anybody else before booking a show or not booking a show. You know, it's all, it's all my decision. Um, conversely, and that can make it a lot easier too. I mean, yeah. I uh, mean, conversely, it is all on me in terms of promotion, um, getting the music out there. You know, I don't have four other people that are pushing the music just as hard as I am. Like it's just me doing it. Right. Um, right. So, yeah. So there, I mean, there's pros and cons to both things, but I think ultimately I'm definitely happier as a solo artist, um, you know, not having to like give away too much creative freedom either. I mean, I work with other songwriters and other producers, but in the end it's my name on it. So if I'm not happy with the product, then it doesn't, go out, you know? Sure. Sure. But, you know, it sounds like at each step of your journey, you know, it was a good learning experience and helped you hone your craft. Yeah. So, so that you can, you can have the courage to make that step out on your own. Yeah. Uh, And you, you know, there's a camaraderie with a show, whether it be touring or if you're in place for a while, sitting down uh, that you build the same type of thing that you build with, each different type of band and they all have their own idiosyncrasies, but you know, so, you know, it was all lead, It seems like it's all leading to, to the place where you say, okay, all right. Now as an artist, I realize this is what I want to do. And I, and because I've worked these years, I have the courage to do that. Yeah. I mean, when I was in my first band, um, I got a call from one of the producers that was intrinsic in getting us in front of labels. And I don't remember exactly how the conversation went, but it seemed like he was leaning towards, hey, a lot of them are interested in just you, not the rest of the band. And that, it it definitely scared me. At the time, if it were me now, I would be like, bye, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. They're interested in me. I got to go. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry, not sorry. But at the time... I was like, that's not something I'm interested in at all. I was like, it's got to be the whole band or nothing. You know, looking yeah. back on it, I'm like, you idiot. <laughs> well, no, but I mean, I've had clients were exactly the same thing. They were interested in the lead singer who, you know, in retrospect was the talent, but, you know, she was caught with, you know, dual loyalties to, you know, her friends and bandmates and to her dreams as, as a career but yeah. you know, it's it's tough, and it's not the easiest decision to make. And you know, it it's almost like you still needed time to, you know, build that confidence in yourself before you could d- take that step. Yeah, absolutely. And I was, you know, I was definitely, um, I had loyalty to my bandmates, absolutely. But there was also that side of me. Well, there was the one side that, of course, you know, was unsure that I could do it by myself. Um, that like. I was talented without the rest of them. And then, you know, there was the other side that was afraid of what they would think of me if I did that. Whereas now, like, I don't have that, that last side of it, like what people think about my decisions. Like I don't have that issue anymore. But at the time I definitely was concerned. Like, you know, even if I went off and did this, they would hate me forever. And I don't think I could handle that. Yeah, and and it's hard because a lot of uh, you know musicians and artists just you know it's a business, and sometimes you make have to make tough business decisions. So right, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So you know, 
So you're a, a songwriter, you're a musician, you're a dancer, you're an actress, overall creative, and you're also an activist. Now, how do all those things work together, and you know, do they do they work against each other sometimes? Um, they definitely do work against each other sometimes. I'm still trying to figure out the balance of all those things. Um, I, you know, my my activism has definitely been taking a front seat uh, lately, <laughs> mm-hmm. and my my music has kind of been taking a back seat. Um, but I think I I think that I will find the balance, and I'm starting to find the balance. Like I, um, when I started my web series, I was I really started to get involved more with the activism. Um, and it, I started to feel like, you know, I needed to show up to everything. And now I'm really realizing that, you know, you can use your voice in different ways. Like you don't have to always be showing up to a protest shouting. Um, and that also doesn't help my voice any. Either. True, true, true. Um, uh, now, but, you know, now that, web, I, when that web series is B for vegan. B for veganism. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I actually, we started working on that because, um, my, uh, my DP, I guess, DP and editor, um, she, uh, had done a few of my music videos. So she did my Please Don't Kiss Me music video. She did Out of Control. Um, she did She, and she, we didn't even know that either of us were vegan the whole time that we were doing that. Um, and she just approached me and she was like, you know, I've had this idea for a while about a show and it would be interview based. And I, you know, I'm really looking for not only a host, but someone to help me like co-produce it. Um, it's an idea I've been sitting on for a long time cause I've not had anybody else to kind of like, you know, light a fire under my ass and, um, and help me do it, would you be interested? And and I saw it as another opportunity to use my voice and my talent in a different way, again, than just, like, going out on the street and, you know, shouting at companies, which has its value, of course. Um, but I definitely wanted to utilize, you know, all the things that I've been doing my entire life to kind of help this movement along. Sure, sure, and that kind of segs nicely into my next question. You know, one of the things I I really you know admire about what you do is that you're really active on on social media, and you put out a lot of music videos to support your work, and and they're real creative, good production values. You know, please don't kiss me that you you talked about. It's got a a, a good, strong, solid uh, uh, social message. She obviously comes from. You know, a personal place when you're talking about some of the uh, strong women in your life. What, tell us a little bit about your music videos. Yeah, I mean, every time I, I write a song, I always have sort of a um, a story in mind that, you know, I can, I can visualize that song as well. Um, I kind of thought that everybody did that, but <laughs> I'm realizing that, like, I... Uh, I'm one of the very few like indie artists that has a music video for every single song, but, mm-hmm. um, well, not my older EP, but this, this new right. EP has, has a music video for every song. Um, yeah, we won't talk to... about the old one that you you don't want to talk about. So yeah, we, <laughs> we won't talk about that one. 
yeah, uh, all of the music videos have are, are have are like my concept, but then the person behind the camera is really like that person has to be talented to be able to take my idea and turn it into something that looks great. Um, so usually, uh, like my my first two music videos off of this EP. Um, I think my first two. I'm trying to think now. But uh, one of them, Ghosts, um, I did with a friend of a friend who he is actually a extremely talented videographer, um, and he does mostly wedding videos, but his wedding videos look like music videos. Um, okay. And his, his company is Endless Wave, uh, Endless Wave Studios, so I'll give a little plug. <laughs> there you go. A little plug to Endless Wave Studios. If you're looking for the most amazing wedding video you've ever seen in your life, you should go to his website. Um, but yeah, he uh, he had approached me that he wanted to do a music video for me. Um, and I had said, well, here's the song that I'm thinking of. And here is my concept. Uh, how can we make that work on like no money? <laughs> <laughs> And you and you did a great job, and and it's you know for for the listeners who haven't seen it, it it's got a kind of an homage to some of the horror films, um, yeah. And uh, it, it's very well done, and you know, and it fits with the song, and um, that's actually the you know you and I talked about that uh, before. Is that that's the first song I heard of you of yours that I really liked, but I didn't realize that you had done it until you and I first talked on the phone. You go, oh wait a minute, oh, I really like yeah. that song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> But yeah, um, um, yeah, and I actually realized he also did my video for a long time coming. Um, so both of those videos were my concept, but without his incredible eye, we never could have pulled off. Like they never would have looked like what they look like. Um, sure. You know, they, I I think both of them are beautifully shot, beautifully edited, um, and that's you know that's such a credit to his talent. Um, and then, like I said, my, my partner, um, with V for Veganism, she approached me wanting to do a music video and she, um, I had said, well, I have this song. And then she came back with, okay, well, I'm thinking like, you know, this and this and this. And I was like, actually, I already have a concept. (laughs) And I like sent her my concept and she was like, oh my God, that's amazing. Let's do that. So, um, but again, you know, uh, Needed, I would have. I needed her to be able to make that concept a reality and be able to, you know, especially when we're working with like very little budget to no budget. Um, you know, mo- the most we do is really is like feed people. <laughs> right. Um, right. You know, when when we're working on a very limited budget, she really helped me to um, figure out. Okay. I'm thinking of this type of scene, but we really don't have the money for that. So how can we do that same thing for nothing? And she really helped me like finish out ideas um, by being like, well, this is how we can make this happen. And this is how we can make this happen. And we can, you know, shoot at gorilla and it's going to be great. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, a lot of the really successful indie projects, whether it be film or even even theater in Chicago in the eighties, you know, we're going up and down alleys looking for stuff that because we had no money. 
And so you're, you're dumpster diving and you know, you're stretching lighting instruments a lot further than you can ever do it. And, yeah. and then you, you just create great art and you go, and you, it really forces you to understand your craft. So yeah, yeah. it sounds like, and then, it, then when you team up with somebody who's got the same creative eye and vision as you, I mean, that's just a blessing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I feel myself so lucky to have found her um, and found her as a partner and someone that, you know, I can I can trust and, and rely on and know that we're, for the most part, you know, I would say 99% of the time we're completely on the same page and that 1% of the time, you know, we have no issue compromising with each other. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, we'll, we'll get to a point where, where one of us will concede like, oh, okay, yeah, we'll do it that way. Okay. And uh, she did she for you, correct? She as well. Um, again, it was, you know, my, my concept, but, um, yeah, her, well, actually I did the footage at the women's march. Um, she okay. wasn't able to come. So all of the footage that you see from the women's march is actually from my iPhone, <laughs> And I was like running around. Um, I would see like you know people up in a tree or like see a, a really creative sign. And I and it was totally insane there. We were in D.C. last year. It was complete insanity. And um, cell phones were not. There was no cell service. So if you disappeared, you were kind of lost. <laughs> we yeah, actually yeah. did wind up losing one person in our party, but she's from D.C., so she just went home. Um, but, but I kept like running off and like trying to get videos, like, you know, really cool signs that I saw. And everyone in my party was like, you have to stop doing that. <laughs> but it's like, if you, yeah. you know, if you don't get it, then it's, then it's gone. So if exactly, you don't just, like, exactly. in a split second, you know, run and, and get it, then, then, you know, lost. Um, well, but yeah, let's but back up did. a little bit and just, can you talk, talk about the song? Uh, she and where it came from and, and what it means to you. Yeah. Um, it started off, um, as a song for my grandmother. I, I couldn't tell you now where my head was that kind of inspired me to start writing this song, but I, I was just, um, I don't know. I, I was thinking about her as, as an immigrant. I was thinking about the fact that, I never really knew her. Um, I mean, I, you know, I, she was around, but she didn't speak any English really. Um, the most she, she would like call the house and say, you know, your daddy home. And then I would just hand the Mm -hmm. phone off to my dad. Um, but she fled from Estonia in 1944 with my dad, um, who was like a little tiny little, like four month old baby. Um, and they they were fleeing, you know, after the war ended, um, Stalin basically was coming in. You know, the German the Germans kind of occupied that area, or it was it was that the Germans and the Russians both kind of wanted that area, the Baltic states, mm-hmm. Latvia, Lithuania, Estonia. And when the Germans lost, the Soviets basically swept in, and they were if you were German, you were dead. Um, and all the people that lived there were getting, um, either killed or picked up and sent off to concentration camps in Siberia. So my grandmother was actually on one of the last boats out of Estonia, um, 
and they went to Germany. Um, but she was in a, um, they, so they lived in a displaced persons camp for about five years, I think, um, in the American, uh, in like the American section of Germany. Okay. Um, and then someone from the United States, um, I, you know, and I don't really know how all this works, but, um, and it's very different now, but someone from the United States sponsored them to come here. Um, and so that's how they wound up, you know, but they lived in that, that camp for about five years. Um, and oh, so, exactly. you know, the first, yeah, the first five years of my, my dad's life, he lived in this, this camp. Um, so I was just thinking about her and the fact that I never really had this connection to where she came from. And then, you know, by extension where I came from, um, and I thought about how hard that must have been for her. Um, you know, and something that was told to me was that, you know, because she had a baby, a lot of people would let her, even if a train was full, they would let her get on the train. Um, even if the boat was full, you know, they would let her get on the boat because she had a little baby. Um, mm-hmm. And then my, actually my other grandmother who also came from Europe, but very different circumstances, um, she was telling me that my grandmother had told her that when they were on that train, it kept going back and forth because they would like leave, I guess, I'm not entirely sure where they were leaving, but there was like bombing where they were leaving and then where the train was going was also bombing. So then they had to go back and like. Are they, I don't know how many times they went back and forth, but, um, you know, and I think my grandmother, as strong as she must have had to have been to get herself out of that situation and go through all that, um, she never really talked about it, and and she never really, like, talked. I mean, she talked to my dad, but she never really tried to learn English, and I just never felt like I knew her at all. Um, but the song kind of gave me this connection to her that I never had. So I was really, um, I really empathize as I was writing, I really empathized with what she went through. Um, and I remember like singing a scratch vocal just in my house and I couldn't get through the chorus because <laughs> I was just thinking about her and what she must have gone through. And like, every time I tried to sing the chorus, my, my voice just started to crack. And like, <laughs> yeah. Um, and even now when I sing it, you know, I, I just, I performed a few months ago at the Estonian house. Um, and my parents were there and I had a really hard time getting through the song. Um, especially like doing it in front of my dad and then other Estonians who, you know, know exactly what it was that she went through. Um, And then, you know, and then it became a song for all women, especially, you know, I had no idea that Donald Trump was going to win the election when I was writing that. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, and then he won and we just knew that, you know, we knew we had to go to the women's march and get footage for, for the video. We knew that it was, that the song meant so much more now. Um, I mean, it would have meant a lot if Hillary had become, had become president too, but you know, it, it, especially with the women's March and, and sort of this 
women's resistance, um, it became, you know, an anthem for, uh, strong women who, you know, are, are fighting against, I mean, I kind of hate the word the patriarchy because I feel like it's, (laughs) it's like hashtag patriarchy now, but essentially, you know, that is what it is. These women fighting against the patriarchy. And I feel like this song is sort of an anthem for them as well, as much as it's about my grandmother. Yeah, well, both the song and the video are, are just amazing projects, and I congratulate you on those. And, Thank you. Um, and, and encourage anybody who's listening to check out your your YouTube site and uh, and listen to it. You'll, you'll definitely be glad you did. So um, let's talk a little bit about your your uh, EP Ghost, the first one that you're actually willing to talk about. So. Um, <laughs> yeah. So tell us a little bit about that EP and how it came about and. Um, the, uh, I had been writing this song, um, my, the first song on that EP that I ever wrote was called The Struggle. And, mm-hmm. um, it was sort of right after everything with my band kind of, uh, sizzled away, I guess. And, um, I had these two lines, I rely on the struggle, heart pumping up with trouble. And I had no idea where to go from there. Um, but I knew that there was something within that song or with, you know, within those lyrics. And basically what I was trying to say was that if I'm, if I'm not a struggling artist, like if I did eventually reach this success point, I don't know if I would know who I am. Like being a struggling indie artist is so intrinsic in who I am at this point that like, if I weren't that, I, you know, it's like I would lose part of my identity. I'd have to, you know, figure out that change and figure out how, how, um, you know, who I am within that. Um, but at that time I was approached by this producer, Benny Reiner, um, and he wanted to work on a track with me. And so I just came to him with, you know, and I had some other songs, but I came to him with this, these two lines and I was like, I don't know, this is something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I don't know where to go with it. Um, and I, you know, I, I gave him these two lines and then some other like melody. Um, and we just built a track. Um, and the track, having that track helped me to finish out that song. Um, and then the rest of the EP, you know, came out of like long time coming is about, is actually about my old drummer, um, you know, the struggle as much as it's about who I am as an artist, it, it was also a little bit about my previous band, um, with my brother, um, uh, you know, ghosts is about, you know, all these people from my past that have sort of influenced who I am. And, um, you know, I feel like as much as I would like to let everyone go they're kind of still with me at the same time like you have to you sort of um you know these people never really go away you just don't necessarily care so much about what they think anymore um but you know I don't think you can ever really forget the people that made impacts on your life whether it be negative or positive um sure but that's that's what made you who you are right exactly um like what other songs are on? 
but it's, you know, it's, it's, it really is about, um, you know, I wanted to call it ghosts because I felt like every song did have this connection of being about people that were in my past and shaped who I am and will never, you know, but they'll, as much as they're not in my life anymore, they're still around, you know, so sure. they're sort of like ghosts in my life that, you know, are here sometimes. Right. And, and so you're working on some new music now, right? Yeah. Yes. Um, I had this, uh, with, um, well, she doesn't necessarily fit into <laughs> the album concepts, but I had this, uh, I had this sort of concept album that I wanted to work on, but now I'm just kind of working on, uh, a couple songs at a time just to, you know, I took, I took a big step back after things didn't work out with the label and I had a whole issue with my manager as well. That was like a lot of lawyer fees to get out of that contract. Um, you know, I, I, I really took a step back from music and I wasn't uh, really missing it that much. Um, and I was, you mm-hmm. know, I was focused on other projects. I was definitely focused on V for Veganism. I was focusing more on my activism. Um, and just around like, I guess, end of November, early December, um, I started talking to a producer and we are very slowly working on a couple new songs. Um, you know, and I, I I have no deadline for myself for when those songs might come out. Um, I just want them to be, you know, the best that they can possibly be. Um, sure. And I don't want to, I really don't want to settle for something that I'm not 100% happy with. Um, and I'm also mm-hmm. coming back into it with a different mindset of, like, I want to create for myself and not try to create something that I think a ton of people will like, you know? Right, right. Uh, now, do you think taking that step back for the you know six months or so uh, has helped your creativity on this new project? Yeah, I think so. It's given me, um, you know, some more. Um, I guess uh, inspiration isn't isn't the word I'm looking for, but you know, it's it's um, given me more things to pull from in terms of writing, it's given me a different perspective on what I want to write about and what's important to me. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and just, you know, not, it's helped me to not worry so much about, um, the business of it and like not stress. So, you know, I was so stressed. Um, and I actually wound up getting a couple like small, they called them pre-notes, um, but I guess, you know, for for now, we'll just say I wound up with a couple, like, nodules on my course, and I firmly believe it was because of all the stress that I was under um, when mm-hmm. the label wasn't, you know, the, I was shelling out a lot of money. The label wasn't doing what I had hoped or expected they would do. Um, my manager also wasn't doing, you know, what I had hoped, and then the stuff that he was doing, I was kind of like, um, this doesn't really make sense. For me, yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, and you know, I around, I guess December of, oh my gosh, is it 2015 at this point? Maybe 16, either 15 or 16 is when I started to notice that there were um, certain notes and 
like in my mix that really were not, I just couldn't get them to come out with any sort of strength. Um, right. and I just knew that something was wrong yet, you know, over the summer before I ever signed any label contract, um, I was totally fine. So I really, you know, not to blame the label, but to sort of blame my situation with the label, um, I kind of blame the stress that I was under for what happened with my chords because, you know, I've been doing this for a long time and there's no reason why, um, I should have, this should have happened. This has never, ever happened to me before. So, Mm -hmm. um, I definitely, I definitely blame the, the stress that I was under at that time. So, you know, taking a step back for me, um, has allowed me to kind of put a lot of things in perspective and, and really, like, kind of let go of the stress of it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I think that's been good for you. Um, and I, I think it's really going to help you. This new music, and I can't wait to hear it. Uh, um, and hopefully you won't be too embarrassed to, to share it with anybody. That, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, Kirsten, you've been through a lot in your career. You know, you know you've had band drama. You know, you've uh, tried a lot of different things, uh, you know, the, you know, you had issues with uh, label and management, and that. So, you know, you've got a lot of knowledge and experience that you can, you can uh, help a lot of uh, the creatives who listen to Half Sack Highlights. What advice can you offer uh, an artist, a musician, an actress that's trying to overcome the challenges that you know just life presents? I mean, it's yeah, you know, it's not all you know sunshine and unicorns. Uh, you know. Uh, in any career path, you know, things are going to happen and you've overcome them time in and time out. So what, what type of uh, advice can you offer? Um, I would say, um, make time for yourself, um, to do things that are not related to, uh, you know, whatever your, your career endeavor is, whether it be music or acting or, you know, what have you, um, definitely make time to do other things that make you happy. Um, you know, make time for family and friends that will keep you grounded. Um, don't screw people over and they won't, you know, and then notice, recognize mm-hmm. when people are screwing you over and get out of that situation as fast as possible. <laughs> sure, um, sure. But just know, you know, I think the biggest thing is to know that when something doesn't go wrong or, or something fails, it's not, it's really not failure. It's a learning experience and everyone goes through it. Um, and it's only going to make you stronger for the next thing and more in tune, you know, for the next thing that comes along. Um, you know, and, and life is not just this industry, but life in general is a wave and there's, you know, there's ups and downs for everybody. Um, so I think just knowing, you know, that you're not alone in it and that everyone goes through, you know, everyone does things they're not, you know, super either proud of or happy with. And that's just, it's just life, you know, it's just kind of how it is. And, you know, you accept it and you move on. Yeah. I mean, that's great advice, especially the, the point about, you know, you're not alone. I mean, 
everybody goes through it. And sometimes you need to take a step back and, you know, reach out to friends or family or, you know, creative colleagues are going through the same thing. So, um, there's comfort in numbers sometimes, but yeah, but where, absolutely. Can, yeah where can people find out more about you and your music and, and everything else you got going on? Yeah. Um, you can go to my website, which is probably the easiest in terms of, you know, you can find all the other things there. Um, mm-hmm. KirstenMarilyn.com and my, the spelling is a little crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's K I I R S T I N M A R I L Y N.com. Um, if you put in the K I I R to Google, it'll probably, my thing will pop up. There are some other people. It's kind of crazy. If you put K I I R, there actually are some other people that pop up. And I was like, Oh, I thought I was special. <laughs> well, but you are you, special. Thank yeah. you. If you put in K I I R into Google, um, if that's all you remember, my Kirsten will pop up. Um, and then Facebook and Instagram and Twitter are all the same. You know, it's like at Kirsten Marilyn. Um, my YouTube, I have actually two, I have, uh, youtube.com slash Kirsten. Um, and that's where you can find a lot of the videos. There are some Vivo videos. Um, and I'm not entirely sure how to find those besides just going to YouTube and like typing in Kirsten Marilyn. Um, but those videos are not on my page. Um, but, and I don't, I don't exactly know. I mean, you might be able to just type in like Kirsten Marilyn Vivo. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you Google my name, you know, all that stuff is gonna, is gonna show up. Um, or, you know, you can go to my website and I am on Apple music and iTunes and Spotify. We hope you enjoyed this latest episode of Half Stack Highlights. Thanks, Kirsten, for sharing your journey with us. The opening and closing songs in this week's episode are the title track from Kirsten's latest album release, She. If you're interested in learning more about Kirsten, connect with her on social media, listen to and purchase her music, visit www.kirstenmarilyn.com, and that's K-I-I-R-S-T-E-N-M-A-R-I-L-Y-N.com. While you're online, make sure you stop by halfstackmag.com and you can keep up with us on all social media with the handle at halfstackmag. If you like what we're doing, please take a moment to leave a review for our podcast on iTunes. This will help our episodes to get noticed and allow us to continue to create the content that you enjoy listening to and that we're passionate about. Thanks for your support. of a nation She